0: some black literature and i was like cool i get that man i get that like i don't understand what it is to be an invisible man you know i don't and i don't understand how things fall apart so maybe i should educate myself but the funny thing is i never really associated black culture with literacy (laughs) you know Now, ordinarily, I do a lot of political jokes. Yeah, that's okay, you can laugh, fuck that, it's fine. You can laugh, you guys, let it go, it's fine. Now, I I usually love to do political jokes. Did you guys watch the fucking debates? The Republican debate, the Democratic debate? You know what, Pam's shaking her head, no, and... You know what, okay, so I didn't watch it either, and you know why, it's like, I turn this shit on, I listen to politicians, and it's like, I need to preserve my brain cells. You know what I mean? Like, I listen to that shit, and it's like my brain cells are burning faster than if I'm doing nitrous. Like, that's how that shit feels. I listen to it, and it's just idiocy. So I don't do it. I don't do it. Where is the joke in that? I don't really know. Uh, I, I really have been trying to watch the news less. Uh, but one thing I know that is pervasive in the news is gun control. I love it. Gun control. How the fuck are you even going to put those two words together in our country? Gun control? There's no fucking control over guns in this country. That's like telling somebody, happy Black History Month. There's no (laughs) happy Black History in this country. There isn't any. It's crazy. In fact, the only thing I think we have as far as gun control is concerned is probably the Second Amendment. Like, maybe? Right? I know, I know. And if you read through it, as far as I can tell, the Second Amendment is like pretty much the only and best argument we all need for universal health (laughs) care. Like that's what that is. If everybody has guns connected together, you'll get there. It's good, it is. Happy Black History Month, you (laughs) guys. All right, what else, what else? I know, boy this is, I don't know. Gun control is a crazy thing in this country. I've never been shot, has anybody here been shot? What you're laughing, it happens, man. People get shot, like I've never been shot, but I've been held up at gunpoint. I'm pistol whipped, that shit was crazy. Like I couldn't even, I was like, the, how are you gonna rob a woman? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, what are you gonna take from me? You got like 20 bucks in cash, like my cell phone, and pretty much all my rape fantasies, but like, what the fuck else are you gonna take from me? You know what I mean? And by the way, if I, how are you going to rob a woman? You look at me. I have 21% less in my wallet than you do, like, just to start with. <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna rob a woman? Now, here's a story about how that happened, right? It wasn't even here, it was down, I was in New Orleans. So I took a flight down to Louisiana, right? And I catch a cab, and I tell the cab driver the address of where I'm staying, and he's like, oh, that's in District 5. And I'm like, District 5? I'm like, isn't that what they call it in Hunger Games? <laughs> like, what? And it is, you guys, because that shit is not from the dystopian future. That shit is from the South. Shit's from the South. And the first thing I notice when I get down there is that there aren't any national banks. Holy mackerel, Andy. There's no Bank of America. There's no Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, ordinarily, they're like, together, together we'll go far. You know? Yeah, but when it comes to Louisiana, they're like, together we'll go far. But no, no, we're not going to fucking, we're not going to Louisiana. We're not, eh." Yeah, it's cool. And then the second thing I noticed was that they don't have public schools. In fact, the public school system has failed. And here's a joke that I didn't have to write for this set. The fucking the, the last school to close was in the recovery school district. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. So OK, so anyway. This is why the whole fucking crime level is very high, right? Okay, so it's no surprise that the white girl, again, the derogatory term, uh, makes a mistake and walks home and fucking gets robbed, pistol whip, laid out the fucking ambulance that, again, wasn't covered under the Second Amendment that I had to pay for. Anyway, we end up in the ER, right? Yeah, I know, collect, collect yourself. So we end up in the ER down in Tulane, right? And uh, the, the, the doctor there, she looks at me. My face is all fucking squished in. She's like, can you see me? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, can you hear me? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, you're fit for work. That's fine. That's fine. And on my way out, that's, it's a jail joke, Pam. Have you ever been to jail? Because that's what they say. And that's what you get if you don't have education and you don't have banks, <laughs> Pam. Because this is happening to our people, in our country. And when I say our people, I mean... Pam, I mean, people we used to own. You know what I'm saying? So then what had happened was, the last person I see on the way out of the ER, right, she's she's the discharge nurse, and she looks at me, just so sad, so judgmental, you know, and she's like, you know, if women didn't drink so much, we wouldn't make such bad decisions. We wouldn't get beat. Oh, okay, now it's clear to me that white girl made a bad decision, like, I will admit that. But her line of reasoning, essentially, is that women shouldn't get to make bad decisions. That only men should get to make bad decisions. And I'm like, what the f-? When you guys make a bad call, like, we end up with Hiroshima and the Holocaust. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, like, when we make a bad decision, it's something we can return at Marshall's. <laughs> Or at the clinic, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, Pam, where are we? forty three. Oh, hell yeah! Okay, hell yeah! Thank you so much. Let's lighten it up. So I do, I do love the news. Um, I read a lot of news, and if you guys know, like El Nino's coming, fucking crazy ass fucking storm. It, or, or, do we have any surfers or any like uh, like ocean enthusiasts <laughs> in the room? Yeah, you got some. Okay, so. Surfers gotta look out, you guys. Like there's some crazy shit brewing in the ocean right now. Everybody's talking about how many sharks there are. How many sharks there are. And if you have, my favorite online video of the year was this, uh, was this surfer, Mick Fanning, who battled off a, a great white shark uh, from attacking him during a contest, and I couldn't believe it, and nobody could believe it, and it's gone viral, the whole thing. You guys gotta look out for sharks. Now, how, I want you to know this. If you are surfers, water enthusiasts, Sharks, they're very smart animals, but if they go after a human being, essentially what they're doing is they're making a mistake. Really, they're making a mistake. They chomp once, they chomp twice, and then they're out of there, and that's kind of their thing. And I, I wondered about this. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how the fuck is a smart animal going to... And I was like, wait a minute, Shelly, you're, you're pretty smart. Haven't you, ever, you know, haven't you ever put something in your mouth and then immediately realized like, it was a mistake? I think you all have. Thank you guys so much. My name is Shelly Strable. Thank you for being here. MutinyRadio.fm. Yay, Shelly Strable. Keep your amps clapping for her. Yay. Hey, keep it going for yourselves, you guys. Look at this audience here. Thank you guys for being there. Say, uh, yay, us. Yay. Yay for you! Uh, Hey, I'm really excited that you guys are here, honestly. Uh, The next comedian, it's so exciting. He is uh, the mastermind behind the new beverage container thing we're gonna have in the back of this Immunity Reader. He's so helpful to us here. He's built this closet.
1: Try bye to make it Diana. as
2: suave as possible. Bye-bye, pretty young thing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> if people are tuning in for the Gang of Four interview, they're probably like, do we have the right station? Because <laughs> we don't really we judge people. We don't choose
3: <laughs> what inspires us. <laughs> exactly.
2: I like the way you said that. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, this is Sounds from the Street. I am your humble host, DJ Aisha, and this is my lovely co-host, Crystal to my left? Yeah,
3: no DJ. Just,
2: you are a DJ. But, You're more of a producer. But I just,
3: mm, just, <laughs> just to the point.
2: <laughs> we never came up with a DJ name.
3: We didn't. It. it was going to be hard you. for me to come up with my own <laughs> DJ name, mainly because I was like, I'm not a DJ, I'm just a intern. Four years later. Four years later and I still haven't
2: come up with one. I still can't believe that we've been here like for years now.
3: Yeah It's pretty amazing Time flies when you're having yeah. fun And Pam's
2: only been here a little bit longer
3: than me So
2: she's, <laughs> she's the true veteran I guess Of this it's the OGs. story yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we're, we're doing better than ever Mm -hmm. We're Mutiny Radio, and we're streaming live, mutinyradio.fm. And we also have a comedy uh, showcase later today if you're interested. It's from 8 to 11 p.m. Stop on by. We're located at 2781 21st Street on the corner of 21st and Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco. And we'd love to see your faces here if you happen to be in the neighborhood, because if you're not in the mission, you are nowhere. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works.
3: That's definitely a good, it, that's good advice. <laughs> be in the mission because, or you're nobody. Because um, we're always <laughs> here anyway. <laughs>
2: um, I feel like there's been a few interesting news stories and music, but. These are the only ones I could find, <laughs> but I'm sure, but I feel like um, I'm gonna get better about you know saving saving new stories so that oh I you know have something yeah because we always save up.
3: can we do that on our phones on our smartphones
2: Facebook it has an option where you can save read the for later story. Something like yeah that. exactly hmm. so
3: do you want me to start with mine since you yeah go ahead okay uh i have damon auburn in the news uh damon auburn gives gorillas lp update offers oh. thoughts on kanye drake future oh taylor God. and rihanna <laughs> who's taylor like the guitar taylor swift oh uh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> i swifted <it> right <laughs> I into like, that <laughs> is she just known as taylor now or is she taking Maybe. that for herself I'm Performing with Blur, uh, he says, I still try to avoid it like the plague. <laughs> 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 Wait, is this, uh, is this Kanye or no, Damon Albarn? No, this Albin? is Damon Alvarn. Oh, uh, okay. I saw, what? Okay, I thought they were together. Yeah. Oh, God, He, who must, knows. Have, he must have been snorting. Let's, Let's find, find out. out. Earlier this week, Guerrilla's artist Jamie Hewlett hinted that imminent arrival of the group's Plastic Beach follow-up, stating that's next year. I'm working on it at this very moment, and it's going very well. I'm very excited. In a new interview with Rolling Stone, Auburn confirms Zucker's return, stating that he's in the very early uh, days of plotting the new record. Uh, Quoting, so far it's really fast, and it's not quite a lot of energy. Uh, Auburn tells Rolling Stone, I've been stuck on piano somewhere off-Broadway for years now, and I want to go somewhere completely opposite of that. In this same interview, Auburn offers assessments of his mixed feelings regarding performing on stage with the reunited Blur, who are currently touring in support of April's The Magic Whip. You can find the remaining dates below. Um, And he has quoted as saying, I still try to avoid it like a plague, to be honest with you. But something weird happens once I've stepped on stage. I just have the best time. And then as soon as we get off, I say never again. It's very Mm. strange. There has to be some sort of psychological paper that explains that emotion of trying not to do something and then doing it. And then loving it. And then as soon as you're done with it, trying not to do it again. I sort of forget sometimes that I did all that work all those years ago but then we have such a fine time on stage. It has a very emotional undercurrent, but it's also fun and silly and noisy. That's a fantastic recipe to have for all of those elements colliding into each other. Uh, he's, he's so bipolar. Uh, Rolling <laughs> Stone also presses yeah. Auburn for his opinion on various artists, including Kanye West. I think he's pretty unique. Taylor Swift, remarkable, but not unique. Drake, not as consistent as he could be future really interesting and sometimes exhilarating and rihanna well she's on the cover of enemy she must be cool <laughs> blur movie performing at guadalajara mexico Coronada festival oh it's by chorus okay and on on t- uh the 17th that's today october 17th yeah yeah that's today uh, on October 20th, it will be at Los Angeles at the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> Sorry, Asia. Uh. and on October 23rd, it will be in New York City at Medicine School Garden. It's not fair. They already played in Brooklyn. <laughs> Come on. Why would they play Brooklyn and not? I know, right? NYC. I don't know. So I mean, boring. they're they're not, they're doing it now. But maybe that's where their crowd is, and we're just <laughs> not in the know. I think there's a lot of Blur fans in San Francisco. Yeah. WTF, <laughs> WTF, Damon
2: Albarn. <laughs> but do you think if um, when the Gorillas thing takes off again, do you think they'll they'll play here? Because I would go check them out. If they what? There. If Gorillas
3: um, tours the states, would they come? Here? I can see them maybe at the Fox. I think they're big enough actually for the Greek, but. I'm hoping the, the Fox, Fox, Fox because be I can go to that. I can go to that. No problem. The Greek, <laughs> I would have to find a ride and somewhere to stay or something. I don't know. <laughs> and how to get there. That would be like a whole I know, right?
2: And uh, the Greek theaters in Berkeley, right? Yes. Yeah. I've never been there. The Greek amphitheater. But um, I would be down for an adventure over there.
3: That yeah. neck of the woods. <laughs> it would be such a like, quest, you know? Yeah it would be. You have to find a ride. Oh, okay Yes. <laughs> I know. Like I
2: don't know when the last Bart train leaves. If if there is a Bart train that goes near there. Yeah. Um that's be a learning experience.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I used to have a friend who lives there, so maybe he'll let me crash at his place. He mm-hmm. doesn't drive though, so I had to find a ride. Yes. <laughs> I'm already like Planning a concert that's not even happening. <laughs> hey, <MIT>. yet, <laughs> yeah. I e Radiohead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're Oh, god, I have to go to that. They're planning. probably gonna go to the SAP Center, though.
2: <laughs> that's planning, another. Planning ahead. Yeah, it's just never you have,
3: have to. You have to if you live in a city where we're so. Um, we're actually very lucky because we do have a lot of good bands coming into small venues that are here but when it's like a huge band and they want to do a huge thing because they're doing a huge tour then they're not probably not going to perform here the cure let's go to bill bill graham, billy graham. bill, bill it, graham or billy graham bill graham okay billy graham's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is you is like an in, evangel- evangelist, evangelist i can't even say it even evangelical? evangelical person is he an angel <laughs> <laughs> Is, is he, he an so angel alive? with wings? Yeah, he's an an evangelistical. evangelistical. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, this looks like an interesting article. I probably won't read the entire thing, but it talks about the devaluation of music. It's worse than you think. Starving artists have been affected by more than just piracy and streaming royalties. This is off um, medium.com. In their many justified laments about the trajectory of their profession in the digital age, songwriters and musicians regularly assert that music has been devalued. Over the years, they've pointed at two outstanding culprits. First, it was music piracy and the futility of competing with free. More recently, the focus has been on the seemingly minuscule payment Songs generate when they're streamed on services such as Spotify or Apple Music, because we actually hear that pretty much every week. These are serious issues, and many agree that the industry and lawmakers have a lot of work to do, but at least there is a dialogue and progress being made toward new models for rights and royalties in the new music economy. Less obvious are a number of other forces and trends that have devalued music in a more pernicious way than the problems of hyper-supply and inner inner what inner industry jockeying and by music i mean i'm thinking that he's talking about like corporate radio but maybe i'm wrong and by music i don't mean the popular song formats that one sees on awards shows and hears on commercial radio i mean music the sonic art form imaginative conceptual composition and improvisation rooted in harmonic and rhythmic ideas. In other words, music as it was defined and regarded four or five decades ago when art music, incompletely but generally called classical and jazz, had a seat at the table. When I hear songwriters, there's still places that do that. There's uh, bimbos. In
3: this city, yeah.
2: There's uh, Club Deluxe on, you know, hate, but that's more... That's San
3: Francisco's pretty good with keeping with art music, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same case in every other city. That's true. When I hear songwriters of radio hits decry their
2: tiny checks from Spotify, I think of today's jazz prodigies who won't have a shot at even a fraction of the old guard's popular success. They can't even imagine working in a music environment that might lead them to household name status of the Miles Davis or John Coltrane variety. They are struggling against forces at the very nexus of commerce, culture, and education that have conspired to make music less meaningful to the public at large. Here are some of the most problematic issues musicians are facing in the industry's current landscape. Uh, number one, the death of context. Digital music e- ecosystems, starting with Apple's iTunes, reduced recordings down to a stamp size cover image and three data points, artist, song title, album. As classical music commentators have long argued, these systems do a poor job with composer, conductors, soloists, and ensembles. Plus, as I argued at length in a prior essay, they're devoid of context. While they are capsule biographies of artists and composers in most of the services, historic albums are sold and streamed without the credits or liner notes of the LP and CD era. I used to like liner notes. Actually, I still like them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I like to read. The constituency of superfans who read and assimilate the stuff is too small to merit attention from the digital services or labels, but what's most is the maven class that infuses the culture with informed enthusiasm. Our our information-poor environment of digital is failing to inspire such fandom, and that's profoundly harmful to our shared idea about the value of music. Number two, commercial radio. I'm sure we'll have an opinion on this. There's, a, there's our girl Rihanna. I think that's her. And it's an easy target, but one can't overstate how profoundly radio changed between the explosion of popular music in the mid 20th century and the corporate model of the last 30 years, our lifetime. And an ethos of musicality and discovery has been replaced wholesale by a cynical manipulation of demographics in the blandest common denominator playlists are much shorter with a handful of singles repeated incessantly until focus groups say quit. DJs no longer choose music based on their expertise and no longer weave a narrative around the records well obviously we're doing it but we're definitely not fucking corporate. We're the exception. As with liner notes, this makes for more passive listening and shrinks the musical diet of most Americans down to a handful of heavily produced industrial-scale hits. Number three, the media. In the 1960s, when I was born, mainstream print publications took the arts seriously, covering and promoting exceptional contemporary talents across all styles of music. Thus did Thelonious Monk wind up on the cover of Time magazine, for example. When I began covering music for a chain newspaper around 2000, stories were prioritized by the prior name recognition of the subject. Art discovery stories were subordinate to celebrity news at a systematic level. Industry metrics, chart position, and concert ticket sales became a staple of music news. In the age of measured clicks, the always on focus grouping has institutionalized the echo chamber of pop music, stultifying and discouraging meaningful engagement with art music. Um, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's yeah. a very he's he's kind of um, he's being very like analytical about it. I don't know if I agree with everything that he's saying in this article. Again, you can find this um, on Medium.com. The devaluation of music. Some of it I agree with, like when, when he's talking about the radio um, influence. Mm-hmm and uh, change over the past you know like our lifetime pretty much (laughs) like it's just it's a different format now whereas the you know radio back in the day was one of the only ways you could really be heard but now there's so many different ways to do it now through social everyone has a facebook page or twitter page hopefully they do (laughs) a (laughs) podcast god forbid yeah
3: but um interesting story um, I have St. Vincent In the news mm-hmm. I was really actually I didn't know much about her When we, I went to see her At Outside Lands But uh-huh. She really made an impression on me She's really A really talented lady um, I have seen Vincent Working at D- New Dallas restaurant Resident Taqueria Is run by Annie Clark's Sister and brother-in-law This is out of the com. Are you in Dallas area And feel up for trying Out the new Mexican restaurant are you also a St. Vincent fan? May I want to head to Resident Acadia a brand-new restaurant run by Andy Clark's brother-in-law and sister. As stereogram reports, uh, Clark has been spotted working there. A few people on social media say that they spotted Clark waitressing, refilling napkin dispensers, clearing tables, and so forth. When asked if these reports are true, Chef Andrew Mark Suivua, uh, Clark's brother-in-law, confirmed the news over the phone. Update uh, on the 14th of September at 4:28 p.m. Eastern Time. Annie Clark sat down with Bon Appetit to talk about working in resident taqueria. As Sterigan points out, her gig began when she visited the taqueria and saw how most how busy it was. I just flown in and went to the restaurant to hang out and see what the vibe was like. When it started getting busy, it was just like a case of we saw tables that needed to be clear. So I got a towel and got to work. Amy Clark's sister, um, Amy Clark's sister and I are both pretty t- type A get it done people. In addition to not owning a restaurant, Amy has a whole to now owning a restaurant. Amy has a whole other career as a high-powered sales executive. I dislike this order, and it would be egregious to just sit there while while it was busy. Despite having no prior experience in food service, she had no problem pitching in. When I got there, I initially thought, oh, I'll come and have a margarita at the bar and just see how it goes but then it became clear that it was so packed with people and all the hands on deck so i just jumped in i love multitasking and adrenaline anyways so i just got a real rush out of it uh, she also revealed her tex mex favorites tacos mm-hmm. get out of here with that go back to san francisco i don't need a burrito <laughs> Holy shit salsa verde and residents in house hot sauces read the whole interview here and you can see uh her instagram picture as in her waitressing ensemble. Oh, yeah. She usually looks like this. I'm going to show you the picture of what she usually looks like. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: In magazine covers, thing. but this is her. Okay.
2: So it's her thing. I mean, it's her restaurant. It's right?
3: her sister's restaurant. Oh, it's her sister's restaurant. She was just helping out. That's cool. Yeah. Like that idea. Huge fan of tacos, this lady.
2: <laughs> Good for them. Yeah.
3: That's,
2: you know, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm trying to do the resume writing business, but it's harder than I... Thought it was gonna be. <laughs> yeah, it's hard in the beginning, but I mean, I'm literally just starting at the beginning. But that's commendable to Doing, do. Doing
3: like a uh, part time anything on the side is not easy. But mm-hmm. she's a rock star. She's goddess. She's got she, she adrenaline. She loves it.
2: Awesome. And I have a, st- a story from Enemy.com. Billy Corgan and Tom Morello join Roger Waters on "Comfortably Numb." Uh, Pink Floyd man Roger Waters teamed up with Billy Corrigan and Tom Morello at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. on Friday night, last night, to perform a rendition of the Floyd classic Comfortably Numb. Corgan shares the track's choruses with U.S. Marine Tim Conley while Waters takes the verses. The concert was in aid of a charity called Music Corps that supports injured soldiers and their families in the gig entitled Music Heals Benefit. According to Rolling Stone, the show is opened with a real rarity in the first ever live performance of Pink Floyd's single, When the Tigers Broke Free. Pink Floyd and Corgan have a bit of shared history. When Corgan released Smashing Pumpkins' album Oceania, that's when we saw them, Mm -hmm. he talked about the influence of another Pink Floyd member, David Gilmour, on his approach to performing the album live, saying, we want to play the album and then play some classics to go with it. I have to give some credit to David Gilmour. I saw him on his solo tour in 2006 and he did that. He came out and played a couple of The Dark Side of the Moon songs. He played his whole new record, then he did Echoes, Comfortably Numb, and all of that stuff. It was awesome. Corgan also joined Gilmore and Richard Wright for an acoustic performance of Comfortably Numb, following Pink Floyd's induction into the rock and roll hall of Fame, right? It says game.
3: Call of game.
2: Good job. It's
3: new rock and roll in 1996.
2: <laughs> no, I was like, I was almost, almost there, and I was like, that's wrong. I'm stopping for that. That's just that's just fucking wrong.
3: You guys need to proofread your articles, <laughs> enemy. I know, right? I could write better articles. Um, Hire Aisha. She'll move to London for you. Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. And a lot more. This, uh, then it has an article or it has a video on YouTube and also forever young, the Bob Dylan song covered during the same
3: show. And that's it. So that's exactly what he, we were just discussing when we went to see Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. at Billy Graham, because we were just discussing about how 1995 was an awesome year for music.
2: Oh yeah. the
3: Alternative world. And, uh, we were just talking about Tragic Kingdom from No Doubt and, yes. um, M- Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness mm-hmm. came out mm-hmm. around this week, t- twenty years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, it's That's like super. great year for music. And um, we went to see them when Oceania came out, and he did exactly that. He played all of his new stuff in the beginning, which I missed. Beautiful. No. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't care. It's. Do you have and the and album?
2: It's actually a really good album. Is it? Yeah, I bought it. I i actually now that I'm talking to you, I'm gonna listen to it tomorrow uh-huh. probably. But no, I I, just, I I don't know. I just kind of went on a whim. I think I maybe heard one song on the radio, or I yeah. listened to it online. I think I
3: have heard a few songs here and there, but not the whole album. That I haven't. given pretty good. Giving it a chance, I guess. But um, I got there for all the the old stuff, Yay. for all the hits. I I got it like a two, maybe it was two new songs, and then the rest was just uh Siami stream and mentally mm-hmm. and all that so all the good stuff all the good hits so I was pretty glad that he did that and then you said it was different at the war field though
2: maybe it was just me it was kind of a weird day it was when the there was the power outage in my neighborhood yeah. um it was raining um I don't know. I mean, the show itself wasn't bad. Maybe it's... I think we maybe got there late. I think we got there late. The set was like less than an hour or something. Oh, and it was just them playing. So I was thinking, oh, they're going to play, you know, some of their old stuff. They played, you know, a couple, a couple hits. But I don't know. I just, It just wasn't the same experience maybe because there was a bunch of us when we went to Bill Graham, and then when I went to see him with, with Billy, I mean with uh, Marilyn. Um, I don't know, it was just a different experience for me. And also we were sitting like way in the back, like our so backs against the wall. So do you think
3: Marilyn was better than Special Hopkins <laughs> in that um, show at specifically
2: The show I think Marilyn Manson stole the show but I think in general I'm probably more of a Smashing Pumpkins fan. Yeah. I love I love Marilyn Manson but I'm not a I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of his music but I know a lot of the songs. Yeah. I know a lot of his material but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah. But it's it's worth seeing for sure if you're familiar or interested in his music at all he's worth seeing.
3: Life. I don't know any of his stuff. Oh, really? I only know the, the beautiful people. Because the beautiful people. The beautiful people. <laughs> because who doesn't?
2: We can watch some of the videos later. And I think I got he it. did.
3: Oh, no, that's Placebo. I was confused. too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Totally <laughs> I, different I think band. he had a cover of Kate Bush running up that hill, but that's... That's a different uh, band. I kind
2: of wish I went to see Placebo when they were here. I had the opportunity to see them. You did? But I feel like they played on the same night that we went to another show, and I can't oh, remember. Yeah. This was like a they year can ago. They your battles. I know. Oh, so can you deny or confirm if Morrissey's going to be here in December? Because I just saw something. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a lie. I'll I'll show it to you, actually. Is
3: it for his novel?
2: No. I mean, like, he's doing... Musically, he's doing something? He's doing three shows. I don't know if it was a joke, but it was, like, The Masonic, which is, like, right near us. And then The Catalyst. I don't don't know if it was Santa Cruz. Somewhere in Vegas, I think The Catalyst and Santa Cruz and then The Masonic. And I was like, is this a joke? Maybe it's a joke. I
3: mean, whenever... Even if it was serious, it might not happen. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's possibility that something will go down, and he's just like, "Fuck San Francisco." Because remember how he got filled up by that? I mean, uh, here you know it's all hearsay, but he played in San Jose.
2: Oh, when he was supposed to play in San Francisco.
3: Yeah. No, he played. Yeah, but he went through the San Francisco airport, and then the TSA agent like. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all according to Morrissey, so he's very sensitive. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so he always has a problem when it comes to San Francisco, so... I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: that would be interesting if we... I still go. Him. like <laughs> <laughs> It's right there. It's
3: right there. It's the right Masonic. Right behind your house. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow,
2: he's going to be right there. That would be kind of weird if I didn't go. <laughs>
3: yeah. <How laughs> plus, can
2: I- plus, I haven't had the opportunity. I, I know I've been telling you. I'm like, I really want to go to a show there.
3: Oh, right. We haven't I, been. I had never been.
2: Yeah. It's like an old amphitheater or no it's like the an old masonic temple but then they had other uses for it as well like people would get um a c- citizenship or they get naturalized there or something oh they
3: have a ceremony yeah mm-hmm.
2: but um sense. now they have concerts there pretty regularly but you never know what mm. might happen we'll see We shall see. Well, anyways, um, I guess if you're tuning in, this is Sounds from the Street, and we're on every Saturday from six to eight p.m. streaming live at MutinyRadio.fm, and also our podcasts are up on the website as well, which we're really excited about. Yes. And I will post about that um, hopefully in the next. Yeah, because I mean, we haven't. There was a long period of time where we just weren't sure, like. If we had a, a link to post, but now we do, we do. And, um, we've been doing some interviews, I think sparingly the past couple months, we but, have, um, yeah. um, I had the pleasure of meeting Andy Gill, one of the founding members of PostBunk Band, uh, gang of four, and I've been working on that for almost five years. <laughs> I just it finally to point happened. that out. It yeah, only took like five years. People, people don't seem to realize that a lot of times it's pretty simple. Like I'm at the point now where people kind of come to reach me, out to you. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was very like daunting and very like kind of a scary, um, you know, not knowing if. You know, I was pretty much expected to have interviews every week back when it was Pirate Cat Radio. It was like you really had to follow the format so I think that's how I got really good at like finding uh, bands to interview. Not that there's a shortage of bands but you know just the past couple months like we've been pretty busy and um, it's
3: finally starting to pick up again. So yeah, and a lot of bands are touring, which is helping us out as well.
2: Yeah, a lot of a lot of bands out there. And um, so this, yeah, this one was kind of last minute, but um, I was really uh, super pumped to interview Andy and talk to him a little bit about the history of the band. And he talks a little bit about what his, um, you know, what his thoughts are on what, the band's going to be doing in the future and they were actually in San Francisco not too long ago at the beginning of the year I saw them at the independent that was a sold out show at the indie so that was kind of a big deal um and then they played I think it was burger burgerama or one of those burger burger records type things around the same time burger Lou, whatever. yeah and um so I thought oh that's kind of a big deal for them um and they just released a new record last year and apparently they're planning a new one so that's pretty interesting um but the new parish i wasn't quite sure what to expect and it was actually a pretty good show compared to some of the ones (laughs) we went to in the past grass
3: widow was pretty good grass widow was really good i
2: think that i've only been there i think this is only like my third or fourth time going to this venue
3: what's the name of the other band that is also, it. they play with Grass Widow. They open for them. They were really good. Oh, um, Wolf Queen uh, Crescent. Queen Crescent. There you
2: go. They, they opened for them. Yeah, they're Then we good went day. to see that other band from Denmark. Is that right? Or Norway?
3: Bears or what it was. It had a really weird.
2: I think those band. are the only two times we've been there, right? I've been there to to do some business. (laughs) But I mean, physically going in and seeing a show, I think maybe we've only been there twice.
3: Yeah. I don't know. Even
2: though I feel like we went to the Fox at least like what, five or six times. I feel
3: like I've been there more than that though. Maybe not.
2: Yeah. It's, it's to me, it's still relatively new. I don't know why. I mean, it's been a couple of years. It's been there. Yeah.
3: I think dub dub, what's it called? The Jamaican.
2: Oh, um, yeah. Dub Dub. Jamaican dub (laughs) reggae
3: dub reggae is what they call it. Yeah, it it happens there every Sunday, right?
2: Right. It caters more to like urban hip hop, R&B, maybe that crowd. Yeah, but it's very intimate. It has a very intimate feel to it. It's not. I wouldn't consider it like a rock venue. Like the Uptown was more of a a rock venue, and even the Fox Theater is a little more appropriate. But um, I don't know. I've been going there for a bunch of shows, right? I went to see Garbage at the Fox Theater, and then I was there for something else. (laughs) So I just keep, like, ending up going back there, not being in in SF, but it's nothing of my own doing. I just kind of follow the 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 trends. I follow the music. But anyways, it was amazing to meet Andy, and... I love going to Oakland to see shows. I just kind of like going against, I feel like I'm going against the grain, even though I'm not really. And, um, yeah, we got to meet them on the tour bus. So that was exciting, too. Never been on a a musician's tour bus. I've only been on, like, a tour bus when I'm traveling. Yeah. <laughs> not one that you actually <laughs> not live Not the rock star kind. Not the rock star kind. It was very clean. It's not what you're thinking they thought it was messy and I was like it smells like detergent like yeah. it legit sounds like you just wipe this yeah you know <laughs> right before I stepped in here so clean but um yeah it was it was fun I mean it was I felt like I was kind of out of my element but I like you know me I kind of like not knowing what's gonna happen, the sense of danger, the sense of being in the moment, <laughs> and um, yeah. my friend Tyler was with me. And um, Tyler will probably hear this later tonight. <laughs> um, he was a trooper as well. Um, he came all the way in from Walnut Creek, so I give him credit for that. And um, you know, he's he goes to a lot of shows also, and he was really he was really impressed. I was thinking, well, maybe he won't like it because it's. Andy's the only original member so yeah. a lot of people are thinking oh it's not going to be like how it was I saw it when it was the original member so I had you something
3: contrast compare and contrast
2: to compare against yeah. and I was I was really impressed so yeah it was pretty amazing and um, you'll get to hear uh, our interview that we did it's uh, seems like a short moment in in time but at the t- uh, last night we were Shaking in our pants when it was happening. So. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah, it is a good feeling. And it was weird going into the venue from the, the I guess, the side entrance instead yeah. of the main entrance. I was like, oh, Did you feel official. a little special? Yeah. Yeah. And there was nobody really standing there. So we just kind of walked in like, yeah, we own this joint. I'm <laughs> with the band. Yeah. Oh, and when we watched... Um, uh the new regime. We we watched their sound check. I heard of though. Yeah. Um the the guitarist is also the drummer for Nine Inch Nails. Oh okay. And Tyler would know his name, but that was that was uh, pretty interesting. And then the opening band, the first band that played, I really enjoyed. They were called El Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but they seemed like the most appropriate act to open for Gang of Four in terms of the musical style. Right. They really complemented them. And I was like, oh, they're based in San Francisco, so I'll have to... Um, i have to
3: drop on by. I'm
2: going to have to drop on by, yeah. No, I definitely will invite them over. And um, I guess we can play a couple songs before I air the interview. Have I promised. A musical break. Promised a 7 p.m. Pacific time, so I try to stick to my promises. You're a woman <laughs> of your word. I'm a woman of my word. And you'll want to stay tuned for the interview with Andy Gill. And again, you're listening to Sounds from the Street on Mutiny Radio. Mm-hmm.
3: To establish that, and
2: that was the Cure from their first album, Three Imaginary Boys, who actually are very real. (laughs) And there's something very real happening outside the station right now. We're in the Mission District of San Francisco. (laughs) Sorry, I had a. That was real. That was not. (laughs) At least I muted myself. That was nice of you. Somebody's dying. We should have a cough button. That would be cool. <laughs> I had something where I was able to access like different. Oh, it was like on iTunes. Yeah. I had a couple of different like sound. Like. Yeah, sound effects. That's what they're called. Sound <laughs> but um, the fire department's here in case anyone's wondering where they are.
3: Firemen, we have a fire you need to put
2: out. <laughs> yeah, there's always something going down. I feel like. On the weekend And before that was Amy Winehouse from her first album Frank And it's called October Song So I thought that was aptly named A very fall
3: (laughs) Oh, you're right, it's October (laughs)
2: Fall-friendly
3: tune And she still has The exhibit up we really need to go. At the contemporary. We've been putting it off for too long, and it's only good until November 1st, I think.
2: And I need to honor my heritage somehow. So I feel yeah. like going to the contemporary Jewish museum would be a good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so.
3: oh, and Was she have, your age?
2: She's three years older than me. Okay. Yeah, so technically, yes. <laughs> but they have the Weiss Sons Deli there.
3: No way. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have to go now. I tried the. Oh, um,
2: yeah. It's like an open-faced egg salad sandwich. It's really good. And then you can get pickles with it. Mm -hmm. And then you can get... You
3: have to get pickles with it. I think it was a
2: potato salad. It was like a little container. It was very good. (laughs) I I would definitely do it again. I want want to try
3: matzo. I never had matzo balls. Yeah, matzo balls. Mm,
2: They're good. Well, those lights are flashing, like we're at
3: a strip club in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Playing some uh, okay. some industrial music and just do that. Like, <laughs> <unce, unce." laughs> yeah, that was a tangent. Like uh, Death Guild and shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's legit. Like something's happening. Yeah. Before that was The Smiths from their self titled album. You've got everything now. So enjoy it. It's kind of a for me. It's kind of like you're you know, snubbing somebody else yeah. or the boss in your court. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yep. And before that was Radiohead from yes. their first album, <laughs> <laughs> Pablo honey, Aww. uh, songs called prove yourself. Prove yourself. <laughs> and, uh, before that was no doubt from their, uh, Eponymous album Tragic Kingdom, who just celebrated their 20th anniversary for this particular album. And um, a lot of times it's like that's the album that made or break the band and so in their case it really made them put them up there put them on the map Mm -hmm. and that song's called world go round I think it's one I mean I've listened to even stuff earlier to that which I enjoyed it's more ska influenced but this album in particular I can pretty much listen to every song on the album and I really enjoy it
3: I think for my generation I was probably more um Oh, the one where hey, hey baby was in hey baby rock hey steady, baby. That, album. that one yeah, two thousand one yeah, two thousand two it was really influ- influential for my generation, I think
2: I like um I remember when return of Saturn is that what it was called yeah. when that came out, I like that one yeah. you need
3: to go back and listen to those,
2: <laughs> but it's weird because it's it's not weird, but it's like you know we kind of grew up with them or grew up with. The different albums,
3: and even though you and I are only what four years apart, three years, three years apart, mm-hmm. um there's different, same artists but different albums that meant different things to us. Just because of those three years, that make a difference, you know. It it does, yeah, yeah. Because um, that's for for me. Like you remember, you always say you love Blur, and I don't remember much of Blur, but I do remember yeah. Gorillaz because that's you know, 2000s, that was my childhood. I don't think Blur was
2: that big here, but I just remember in terms of, r- like, radio airplay, like, they got a shit ton of airplay.
3: I just—I know Song 2 got played a lot, but that's about it.
2: <laughs> God damn it, Song 2. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I never heard Boys and Girls until you played it here. and Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't re- I've probably heard it on the radio,
2: but I feel like maybe I've you know kind of went out of my way to to hear that one yeah. still a bigger Oasis fan yeah still a bigger <laughs> Oasis fan okay, not gonna well. lie all right not gonna jerk right. you off <laughs> why So rude oh wait so are they getting back together or not nah. <laughs> Not think so because I'm first in line <laughs> don't hold your breath bye fire
3: truck. <laughs> is that like a sign like sorry the party's over nothing to see here folks go home you're drunk (laughs)
2: well anyways if you're just tuning in um we are in the middle of a very fabulous radio show (laughs) uh when
3: aren't we like totally all the time yeah
2: and we've been pretty consistent with it the past couple weeks i'm pretty excited about that and um, we might be having some uh, artists in here next week even. So that'll be Ugh, exciting. Look at
3: that. Three, three weeks in a
2: row. Three weeks in a row. <laughs> but anyways, if you're t- tuning in, um, I did a lovely interview with Andy Gill, a founding member and original guitarist for Gang of Four. And it was a pleasure to meet some of the other band members as well. They were very charming and... Surprisingly friendly and, and down to earth. You never really know what to expect when you meet the bands that you have been listening to for a very long period of time and, um, was very, very genuine and the show was, was fantastic. And some of the opening acts were local and they were good as well. It just was an overall, uh, grand Pleasant. evening mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I've been going to shows a little bit more um, recently, and I feel like that's a healthy part of my life. Yes, let's keep <laughs> doing a, that. It's a healthy balance for me. Um, I think I think I notice when I'm not going to shows that like the anxiety and just overall happiness is yeah. somewhere between here. <laughs> but then when I when I do go to a, like a a really good show or something, I'm just like. <sighs> <laughs> with sailing. life can continue but uh, any, without further ado I think we've been waiting long enough um, here's the interview I did with uh, Andy Gill from Inc- Gang of Four and also my friend Tyler you'll hear him uh, ask some great questions as well
1: I don't
2: I don't <laughs> have one, I so Andy tell us about the tour so far and how's it been going in the states
4: um it's, it's gone really well I mean you know we've um... it was put on really late in the day because uh, um, Modern Sky I don't know if you're aware of this Chinese uh, entertainment company Modern Isn't Sky no. um, so I did a bit of work with in China and, uh, and, and and they wanted to do they've done they've done a couple of festivals um, where you know, they, 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 they put on bands, and um, like British and American bands, mm-hmm. but also Chinese bands. Right. You know, and, and they're kind of trying to bring those in. So, anyway, Modern Sky said, you know, come and do this festival. And they have a habit of doing things really late in the day. Mm-hmm. So we had, like, really short notice. Um, so, because normally you want to do, like, you want to plan these tours, like, Advance, right. You know, exactly. Six months at the least. You know, it's mm. really last minute. However, it's been fine. You know, and, uh, um, you know, it's always. I mean, this is you know this kind of arrangement. I was used to. You know, when I was. You know, younger, we used to say, "No, we don't want to do this. We'll stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't want to do any of that." But now I've realised this is by far the more comfortable way of doing it you, because, right. you, because you you know, you you basically do the show, do whatever, and then you get your head down and you wake up <laughs> where you're supposed to be the next day. Right. So you're not spending all day with stone at the window right, sitting in an airport or, or you know, all that of stuff,
5: you know. Good. So although it's fairly brutal but yeah. you know now, uh, you can live with it. How has the audience been, especially in reception to the newer songs, compared to the songs from Entertainment or Solid Gold? Well, I've found, I mean, there's a couple of songs that we've been doing that,
4: um, like, with, um, Where the Nightingale Sings, which is the first track on the new album. Yeah,
5: mm-hmm. that's a really good song.
4: Yeah, we 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 do that every night, and... Um, Sometimes we start with it. Sometimes we put it in the middle of the set. Mm-hmm. Uh, people seem to really love it. And, uh, so, yeah. you know, as much as anything, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so damaged goods gets maybe like, you know, <laughs> an extra decibel of clapping, you know, but right, yeah. you know, people really uh, seem to be really into into that song. And, and you know, we're doing two or three things from the new album yeah. because we've been around for such a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an awful lot of things to choose from. Exactly. You know, so. Um and we you know, kind of play around with it and, mm-hmm.
5: and, and sometimes we you know, we change it around quite a lot. Gotcha. Now um how did you get Alison Mossheart to do vocals on those songs? Um I was uh there was this this T V thing uh
4: T V thing, the Channel Four T V in, in Britain. Um and they were doing a tv series about how what producers do in the studio mm-hmm. so um, they had me go in the studio and sort of i mean it's kind of like not, it's, you know not really how it's done but mm-hmm. it's kind of like a kind of shorthand version right. of you know, how you how the producer and the artist interact and like, try this, you know um, it's not really an accurate representation of what really happened in the studio <laughs> mm-hmm. but um but but it, it's kind of uh, a show you yeah. so so we did a we spent a day with with them in the studio which is where i met uh and then um it was just very just i think i that was when i kind of really got to know what they were like you know i'd heard songs there before and stuff yeah. but when you're actually in the studio and, and talking you know you um Gets to know people pretty well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, their little foibles, and, <laughs> and strengths, their weaknesses, etc., etc. No, and I just, I just thought I'd ask her to come down, and she was very keen to do so.
5: Yeah.
4: You know. I think, I think has got, um, you know, you know, uh, on the kind of commercial scale, we probably score about a one out of ten. <laughs> right. And on the uh, but the Creative, Artistic, Influential School, you know, we're doing a bit of a night. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah uh, of course. So uh, people what people like to be involved. Of course. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. yeah.
2: I wanted to ask, um, in the Bay Area, when you come here, you were here not too long ago, about yeah, six months ago. Us, yeah. What is your reaction to the Bay Area crowd versus other cities that you've played in?
4: Now, just to be clear about what the Bay Area is, what
5: do you you include (laughs) in that? Uh, Oakland, San Francisco, Berkeley. Sacramento? No. Uh, Sacramento's a little bit too far inland. Okay. Yeah.
4: Um, Well, you know, we've always... I think, you know, the first time we came to San Francisco, um, we... uh, It was... It was it was amazing, you know. Um, the audience in around here seemed to just totally get it. I mean, you know, we were supporting the Buzzcocks the first time we played wow. mm-hmm. at somewhere called the Geary Temple, mm-hmm. which is just quite a big venue, and we were supporting. I remember it being unbelievably hot, incredibly hot. <laughs> Just you know, sweating. <laughs> and, um, better playing that and um, Grill Marcus wrote a really nice piece about me. That was the first time he'd seen Game of mm-hmm. Four, and sort of basically said he was mind was blown. You know. Wow. Um. So yeah, we've 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 got a, you know a good connection with the Bay Area. You know, we we kind of uh, had some history, and uh, it, it's. It's interesting because, you know, the, I think we we do we're one of those bands that Americans seem to really understand North Americans, Canadians, mm-hmm. and Americans mm-hmm. in get in a way more than Brits do. Mm-hmm. I don't know why precisely. Maybe it's because most of the music that I most of the music that I kind of grew up on probably American. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I really liked, with a, with a few exceptions, you know, like the Stones are <laughs> really thought were amazing, right? Despite all their problems, that um, you know, there's there's a few grooves and, and riffs that the Stones do, which you pretty much right up there, right? Um, and uh, Doctor it feel good? You know, are were, for me, pretty inspirational in the way they were so direct with mm-hmm. the audience. Because there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of people who just sort of came on the stage like the Grateful Dead, you know, and just <laughs> sat around,
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: smoking a pipe. And I know exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Growing up in the Bay Area, you get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, where's where's you know, and these rambling things. I mean, you know, I've got nothing against the Grateful Dead, you know. <laughs> um, some, some Dark Star, fantastic track. But, um, I digress, the, the, the point about Dr. Feelgood was that it was the complete opposite of, of all that. It was like, it was snappy, absolutely super tight, robotic, you know, and you just got it like that.
5: Right.
4: It was like... Um, it was like a sort of shot of hard liquor you know it's like bang immediate <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know and, and that that was you know they're great British band you know.
5: Um, now a question that I personally wanted to ask you was um, going back to the beginning of the band um, did you and John start out the band with the lyrically political overtones or was that just something that came after the band started
4: okay when John and I um, had been at the same school mm-hmm. and then we'd been at the same university right. so you know we knew each other pretty well you know and we'd been in a in a, in a band when we were 16 17 called the Bourgeois Brothers mm-hmm. oh wow okay and, um, <laughs> um, and, and a lot of it was just like fooling around just kind of joking around mm-hmm. it. I think what... We went to New York in 76 and uh, hang out with... Them. Well, we stayed in the flat of, of Mary Harron, who was the film director. who uh, made... Um, yeah.
2: American Psycho?
4: American Psycho. Yeah. and um, another film. I shot, was it... I shot Andy Warhol? E- I, I believe... That I, sounds right. I believe so, yeah. I she did that one. Uh, Back then, yes. she was a journalist for... Uh, well, she was a journalist. Not just about music about stuff. and stuff, um, And she very kindly hosted us for... for a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and... Uh, just off St. Mark's Square, mm-hmm. and... Uh, so we used to go to the CBG's every night, and... Oh, wow. So we'd sort of, like, you know, sort of be at the bar with somebody from television who would be there, you know. <laughs> John Cale would be there. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Joe Ramone would be over there (laughs) and you'd all be talking to each other. We'd all be like drinking and talking to each other and and, um, it was sort of it it all seems so easy and natural that I think that was the point there where we thought okay let's do this seriously. Mm -hmm. You know we'd done lots of stuff we'd we'd fooled around writing songs you know. We used to have these uh, chess sessions where we'd Get a sort of bottle of gin and play chess all day. Art hmm. students, right? Yeah, I'm very lazy. <laughs> um, I've been there. Yeah, and, um, and you know, and then you know, so every move would probably take half an hour because <laughs> we kind of fool around with the song, you know. Right. And then I think it was. There's a certain point when we started. if Things started to fall into place. To start getting. You know, it was like punk rock didn't mean much to me. You know, like sure, I loved seeing the Sex Pistols or actually, I just lied. I've never seen the Sex Pistols.
1: Um,
4: (laughs) I liked who was it? I saw the Clash, I suppose. I don't know, and the Damned and stuff. And all that stuff was fun, um, but it didn't mean an awful lot to me. Mm -hmm. I'd sort of got with Doctor Feelgood I sort of got the point
5: of, you know, mm-hmm. of, of,
4: of the, sh- the quick, short, snappy song you know um, and I think when we started to try and put together I think everything went to, to a sort of, to the next level during seventy, seventy-eight, 78 really and so by the time we got to we recorded entertainment in uh, summer early summer of uh seventy nine I think and you know I was very conscious of the, some of the songs being sort of slightly slightly silly and outdated and some of the ones being really <laughs> cool and mm-hmm. you know that kind of the funkiness and the very deliberate placing of all the rhythms and, yeah. and and the ideas that we that we were kind of working on. Um, so yeah, it was like trying to replace the dodgy songs with the with the better ones. Gotcha. And, and so I mean, it's just a snapshot in time. It's totally, right. You know, it's like um, given another couple of months, we probably would have been better. But <laughs>
2: What was it like when you played the Erg Festival back in 1980?
4: Erg, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> what, you mean the film mm-hmm. thing? Yeah. Uh, well, that that was Miles uh, Koblen, wasn't he? He put yes. it? Yes. He put it all together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. I think we did... I think we do three songs, but I've only the only one was like the idea was that only one would be in the film. Right. right. Um, which I think was he'd send in the army. Um, I, I think, you know, I think it's great. I think it's a great snapshot in time, you know? uh, um, I wonder if yeah. I don't know who's got those all that film.
2: They have it. They bootlegged it. Actually, I got it at Amoeba Records
4: mm-hmm.
2: on Hate Street, and right. it was amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed watching it.
4: But you see, but so. I think they filmed three. I think they filmed three songs. Got it. So I'd like to. Oh, I see what you
2: know, you're what, saying? What, happened to, mm-hmm. what happened to
4: those? Right. The I other mean, two. I I've been told <laughs> that there's so many different people involved mm-hmm. that the legal side ah. of it is such a mess that mm-hmm. they can't get everybody to sign up to anything you know right um, uh, especially
5: with all the bands involved as well with all those bands involved. Yeah. all their management all their different interests
4: right yeah exactly
2: do you guys still rehearse or perform a cover of Sweet Jane
4: because
2: I enjoyed hearing
4: I you guys have done it in years every now and then I sort of think oh, maybe we should do oh I forget it. <laughs> um, no it's a great song it's a great song yeah, we should pull that one out of the closet. Yes! Tonight. <laughs> um, I'll be like,
2: hey, remember <laughs> me? They'd
5: seriously freak out if I. Oh, really? I <laughs> In a good way, I would hope. <laughs> well,
4: Andy, are you sure? We've only got half an hour till we're on. What did we learn the new song? <laughs> uh, That's funny. We've never done it. Not with these times. With this lineup. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: And how long has this lineup been, current lineup, been together?
4: Um, well, Th- Thomas has been with me since for eight years, mm-hmm. which is amazing to think about. Really, very long time. Um, Jailer on vocals since. Oh, he's must must be about four years now that he's been doing stuff with me. And um, that's Thomas laughing. <laughs> yeah,
2: Having a grand old time. Yeah, he's got a, one of the loudest
4: laughs, laughs if, you know, if you're ever lost anywhere in the world. <laughs> Listen carefully, you find there's Thomas. Send him a text <laughs> message
5: with a funny joke. Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, and, and and Johnny Finnegan on drums since, I don't know, year or two. Mm.
2: And where do you see the band going from here on out?
4: Well, I've kind of got a lot of a lot of a new album kind of ready to go, and I think what I would do is um, I want to do it more as a band thing and not so much me as a producer, you know. Uh, which I think uh, just kind of kind of make it more more live. I think that's that's kind of what I want to do. Mm-hmm. The next thing. You know, just rehearse with
5: the band, you know, just just keep rehearsing it and working on it. And then, kind of like they did in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> now, now would this also be through Metropolis? Probably. Okay. I mean, it's up to them, but... Right, you yeah. Prob- probably. I mean,
4: I think they're a fantastic label. Yeah. <laughs> you know.
5: It was a little bit weird when I heard that you were... That, that the new album was being released through Metropolis, because I think of Metropolis and I think of, like, industrial, mm. like, angry... Mm-hmm. agrotech bands, like KMFDM mm-hmm. or like Mindless Self-Indulgence mm-hmm. and all of a sudden here's Gang of Four coming out with a new album on Metropolis. Mm-hmm. just seemed like a little bit of a weird weird match. Yeah, no,
4: because I, I, I didn't know that much about them as a label. You know, mm-hmm. Basically, you know, you kind of ask people, you know, you ask people advice and say, oh, you should talk to them. And Dave Heckman, who, who runs a label, is... Um, uh, he's a really cool music guy, you know, and... Um, and I, I said to him, um, I said to him, you know, I said to him, I, th- I think this I think this new record is one of the best things I've done. He said, yeah, sure, Andy, everybody says that. <laughs> and, um, and it was really nice, because about three weeks later, he sent me an email saying, do you know what? I think you're right. Because <laughs> I've listened to it about a hundred times now is, you know, something special. So that was a nice film. That's so
2: cool. That's great. Well, we're really excited to see your performance at the new parish, and it was lovely to speak with you.
5: It was great to speak to you.
2: And have a good evening.
5: Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Well. I was actually wondering. I did bring my copy of Entertain.
2: Hello. And Tyler definitely got his... Entertainment CD signed, and I was not smart enough to think of that.
3: Ugh, you didn't bring it. I didn't bring it. Oh, what a dumbass!
2: I know, right? <laughs> Hauling fucking ass across <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> I actually I love that area. There's something about the trifecta of like the Fox Theater, the Uptown, which is now gone, but the Marquee is still there. Yeah. Uh, Zolo's, who yeah. where I've been meaning to go. Tacos. Oh my God, so good. And um, the new parish, which is literally like I want to say two or three long blocks away, just right around the corner. But I hauled ass over. There. <laughs> but it was a lovely interview, as uh, you guys got to hear. If you're just tuning in and you missed it, the podcast will be up later tonight, and or I can email you the audio if you're interested. It was very low key, just very, very you know, chill, down to the good stuff. And obviously, I'd love to just sit there for hours on end like asking endless amounts of questions but i i think my favorite question that i asked was about sweet jane because i think a lot of people would never know that they actually covered sweet jane, sweet jane. Um, I think the recording still exists. I'll have to find it. But, um, it was actually on, happened to be when I was listening to their account on Spotify. And then there's a live album of them in San Francisco, like 1978, 1979, like around the first time. And they decided to cover Sweet Jane. And they covered it. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking cool. And they sounded really hammered when they were doing it. So it was even better. Yeah. That's how you sing that song. (laughs) There's no other way to sing Sweet Jane. So I was kind of hoping, well, maybe I'll get lucky <laughs> <laughs> wine and roses <laughs> <laughs> but next time there's always next time I just I am I feel so lucky that I've you know I've seen Lou Reed I've seen John Kale I've seen Gang of Four you know just that in itself is is pretty damn amazing so I'm, I'm really proud um, you know to be able to meet them both now and and yeah, it was, it was an honor to speak with Andy and looking forward to their new record that comes out whenever that happens. And um, hopefully they'll be back in the Bay Area next year. I mean, that was also a treat, having them twice in one year. Who could, who could have thought that? And even Andy was saying, well, it's kind of a plan <laughs> planned tour. And this, I guess, particular tour wasn't as planned as the previous one but I still think you know it seems to be going well so far so thumbs up for them and if you want to find out more about their music I'm actually going to be playing a song of theirs in the next set but if you want to find out more about them they're on Facebook Twitter you know the whole gamut so there's there's no reason for you not to check them out to find out more but um I think we can go straight back into the music, and we have a couple more songs in the set.
6: Opinions We're to the
1: Each day seems like a natural fact Each day seems like a natural fact It's the king.